welcome to this episode of ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. First, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by ClearanceJobs.com. Clearance Jobs connects security clearance professionals and employers in a secure and private platform to fill the jobs that safeguard our nation. Their protected career marketplace allows industry employers and candidates to connect, converse, and exchange career opportunities. From live chat and instant messaging to live voice communication and deep personal and company branding, Clearance Jobs balances participation and security. Learn more at www.clearancejobs.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of ClearedCast. I'm Katie Keller, Editorial Communications Manager with ClearanceJobs.com. And today I am joined by the fearless news editor at news.clearancejobs.com, Jill Hamilton. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jill. Hey, hey. Thanks for chatting with me. It's great. It's been a really full week, so there's a lot to talk about, right? Absolutely. It's it's been a heck of a busy week this week at clearancejobs.com. So in the intelligence arena, you have been at the Intelligence and National Security Alliance's Intel Summit. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so we've had a number of sessions there. It's been interesting to hear from the IC leaders about, you know, life with COVID-19 and how that's impacted the industry. It's been interesting to hear their take on this is something, teleworking something we've always wanted to do, but COVID-19 actually helped make that a reality. It created an opportunity for us to rapidly figure out what do we need to do to make this happen. It's always been like on the back burner, something that people complained about, the work-life balance, all those things. So a lot of leaders in the industry were talking about how they've parsed out what is unclassified work and can be done over secure, different communications with VPN, things like that, and what is classified and absolutely has to stay. And when you start to break those things apart, you can start to figure out like, oh, hey, we could actually do this in the future with people working from home one to a few days a week. Because obviously, if you have to access things on the classified network, then you actually have to be in a facility that has that. But then the Army leader and Air Force, they were also talking about the remote classified spaces that they have or capabilities that they have developed and fast-tracked during this time. There's different tablets or different features that they've brought out that they can actually get over to, I think it was uh, Air Force, they have one, they piloted out in the Pacific and then over here in headquarters, different phone lines and laptops that are classified. So it's just interesting to see how the face of that's changing. Additionally, uh, Hexagon Leader, one of the other talks, he was promoting um, or advocating for shared skiff spaces and just how it would make much more sense, like if one agency is accredited then that should be reciprocal for all of the agencies. And so we should be able to have these different workspaces where you could just go like have like a, a like a skiff hub or something. I, so we had a comment on Twitter. We skiff. I think we can, we can call that, you know, we great, you know, and so like there's just different ways that creative ways that we can approach this issue where it can help people that are here in the DC area that live way far out like you, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you're close enough to the area if you want to come in, but you could work out further out for like three, four days at a time and only have to come in to the Pentagon like one day a week or something. So like 
because it is an expensive area in the DC metro area, you know, like sure. housing prices are not cheap, you know, and sometimes, especially like if for people that might be entry level, that might be a help with their work-life balance. So I think there's just a lot of different ways to approach this, that they brought up a lot of great ideas on making that happen. You got sure. <laughs> well, you know, it's so humans are such beautiful monsters. I mean, we do some incredibly crazy things, but throughout COVID-19, we have really been able to find the silver linings, mm-hmm. which, you know, it, it, it makes me a little bit happy and sort of rejuvenates my faith in humanity, I suppose. But, um, you know, just the fact that a lot of folks are able to work from home, um, we're sort of prioritizing what tasks can be completed at home and then what tasks do have to be completed in in the SCIF. But I will say that when it comes to SCIF accreditation or, you know, building out SCIFs, I know that when I was supporting contractors, that that was a heck of a process when you're building out your own SCIF. That process is crazy. So if we could streamline that in some ways, I mean, who knows what the implications are when it comes, you know, on the individual security clearance side, we did see the backlog there. Would that happen on the mm-hmm. facility side? I don't know, but um, you know, streamline, getting creative. I, I love, I love to hear that that Insa is having those discussions. It was especially interesting that a lot of them said that um, when they were asked what gives you the most hope right now, they resoundingly said our people and our partnership. Lieutenant General Bob Ashley from the DIA director said, "What I see in the workforce, the talent, and watching their success, they knock it out of the park daily. We get the best and the brightest." Others talked about top tier talent. We see it every day. It gives me hope for the future. It really was just encouraging that like right out of the gate, that's their number one answer is our talent. And it's hard because, you know, working for the federal government, it is hard to retain talent because the competition against industry for like positions in cybersecurity, things like that, it's high. But there is something about supporting the mission and that there is an appeal in that. It was good that they've recognized key to success is the talent Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> That's beautiful. I like that a lot. So moving on to security clearances, what's been happening last week? Yeah, we covered a lot in terminology a couple weeks ago. Um, Sean Bigley provided an overview of different terms that, you know, we often get confused, like current versus active clearance. So I thought it'd be fun to throw a little quiz together this past week, uh, especially because over on the Clearance Jobs blog, there was a very helpful full list of different terminology, like fingerprint checks, a topic that you covered as well this past week. So we did a, I did a quiz. <laughs> you can mm-hmm. see what you, how much you know. It's always a good thing to like, hey, you know, you think you know, but then do you really know how many years they're going to cover in a background investigation? So like, those are the different things to pay attention to. Is it just a year? No, it's not. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a further back. So those are good things to look into. And then I thought it was interesting. I noticed that there are some states that are uh, looking at legalizing marijuana this November. That's part of their, that's on the docket for their, not really docket because that's not law, right? (laughs) (laughs) Ballot. It's a ballot. There we go. (laughs) Um, So people are voting in different states like Arizona, legalizing it. And I just, it's always good to highlight that just because it's legalized on the state level does not mean that it's legalized on the federal level. So mm-hmm. it's something to be watchful for as a clearance holder. But if you should find yourself confused about this or having some prior activity, we have a really great article on mitigating marijuana use for clearance holders. Troy Nessbaum's one of the lawyers that wrote that. And so 
as a lot of different helpful steps to pay attention to. So you could always check that, check that out. Can't stress that enough. Uh, you know, federally, marijuana is still illegal. So if you're a clearance holder, it's always something to keep at the forefront of your mind, among many other issues. But in terms of your uh, test your knowledge Thursday quiz on uh, <laughs> security clearance terms, it's funny, I tweeted out, you know, uh, everybody likes to think uh, that they're an expert when it comes to security clearance terms. Even myself, I, I, I admit, I, had, I have to message Lindy Kaiser all the time to ask about security clearances. So <laughs> I Me encourage too. everyone to check that out. Um, if, if you're not, you know, some type of, if you're not in law for security clearances, if you don't have a number of years under your belt, if you're not ingrained in the policy changes and updates of today, you're not an expert. So definitely check out those articles. Right. And you don't have to be an expert, but it, it does help just like increase awareness because sometimes I know when I was a defense contractor, just there's always like this fear that you're going to do something that you're, you're just not quite sure about what things mean, that you're going to do something that messes up your clearance. And then if you mess up your clearance, you lose your job. Like, so there's, there's a little bit of stress involved in that. So I think sometimes just knowledge helps decrease that stress level. Absolutely. That, that, that's a great point, Jill. So uh, I, I, my next, I'm excited for my, the, our next topic, uh, career advice. So Steve Leonard, doctrine man, always sucker punch a snark, uh, I, yeah. I, I like to say. Uh, I really appreciate it. So what did he write about last week? He wrote about lying this past week. Lying is such a good, it's a helpful topic, I think, for the cleared industry, industry to consider because part of what we what we talk about as a clearance holder is being truthful. It's one of those things that we look at. So it impacts us, but it's interesting that still we're we're prone to lie as human beings. He goes down the list of the different reasons of why we might choose to lie, which is helpful to understand one cuz like last week he covered he talked about finding a uh, you know, people's, your BS meter. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. he uh, had a, how to figure out when somebody is kind of um, actually doing like a cover up story on something. I think he said, it's like that, that line of when they say, I can explain, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> usually a really good explanation, but it leads into his comments on lying this week, where the different reasons that people will typically choose to do that. And just really how detrimental it is just to the work that we're trying to accomplish. Like if we're not truthful in reporting it, we just trying to dish out fake news left and right. It really isn't advancing us. And we're just lying to ourselves, basically. So if we're just trying to avoid the boss getting mad at us or trying to spin things for ourselves. It's really about self-promotion then and not about the overall mission. So it was a really helpful deep dive into why we lie and just the value of earning trust with the truth. I just really, really enjoy the way that he psychoanalyzes people. I find, <laughs> I, I find it so hilarious. Hilarious, but helpful. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Check out Doctrine Man's latest on lying. So let's, uh, so this week, what's going to be happening on the news site? Yeah, I think we're going to have a couple more takeaways from INSA. There's just sometimes things you can kind of just give an update on what's being covered. But then there are some things that take a little bit more chewing on. So there could be some of those, especially as we look at like, 
artificial intelligence. Since we've covered that a lot and just hearing from IC leaders on on those topics or U.S.-China relations, there might be something on that. And then, of course, I'm hoping for something amazing in the recruiting lineup from our mm-hmm. very own Katie Keller. Sure. So I just, yeah, I don't know if uh, I when I saw on on LinkedIn, I sent I sent you that piece that said, "Dear recruiter," you know, and it's always. It's always so patronizing when people start out like a, <laughs> like it's like a letter, like a love letter or something. Oh, Dear yeah. Dear so-and-so. And it's just this condescending tone. It puts people on edge. And it's hard because he had a valid point. Like you might not just you when you ask for like 20,000 skills, you're asking for a whole team. So, yeah, it's a valid point. But there's so many things that go into that. That's not the recruiter's fault. So I'm interested from your recruiting side to hear like just you know, those different things that you see out there that will, that drive those, uh, dear Mm so-and-so posts. I don't recommend that approach, but you know, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it takes away some, from some of the points you get people that are going to already be on your team, but you don't necessarily change the opinion of people on the quote unquote other side, you know? So well, and yeah. you know, the, those types of uh, recruiting, cleared recruiting articles, I I really enjoy writing them. They're easy to write because I'm just venting to my computer, you know, <laughs> angry typing on my on my PC. Um, but uh, no, it's a great point that um, a lot of the times, you know, recruiters are just the messenger. And, and it's a tough job. It's a tough gig. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm looking... I'm looking forward to everyone reading that one. I will also have an Ask CJ for everyone mm. on Saturday. And if uh, you didn't catch the last one, um, it's another it's another interesting uh, question on the Clearance Jobs blog, clearancejobsblog.com. Um, so it's someone, a Pornhub viewer, who is worried about Big Brother watching their Google searches. So mm. uh, everyone can go check that one out from the news site as well. Sounds good. Oh yeah, clearance jobs blog always always a fun time. If you if you haven't created an account there, I really encourage you to go uh, go create an account and check out the discussion. There is uh you'll have some deep belly laughs. Uh maybe if you're a background investigator, you might have some tears. Um, mm. so everyone go check yeah. out the discussion there. But I think it goes to the earlier point where like there's a stress involved of wait, is this going to impact my clearance? Mm -hmm. Like always wanting to err on the side of caution or, oh no, I did this now, now what? And so I think it's been a really helpful component for uh, clearance holders to have a place to vent and ask questions and get feedback from the community. Mm -hmm. No, no, that's very true. It's an, it's an important piece of your career in national security. So it makes sense that there's a, a lot of ground to cover. That's all we have time for today. If uh, you haven't followed us yet, uh, hit subscribe, uh, follow us on all of the social channels. And if you have any thoughts or questions about security clearance or you have another topic that you'd like us to dive into a little bit more on, uh, just send us a direct message or uh, an email at editor at clearancejobs.com. Jill, thanks again for joining me today for this episode of ClearCast. Always awesome. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearedsjobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Clearedcast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearedsjobs.com.